Welcome to A Seat at the Table, a series created to give marginalized college students the opportunity to explore critical conversations related to sociocultural moments. This series is brought to you by the Blacksa, Georgetown University's only Black student-run media publication that aims to serve as a space for students in the diaspora to authentically and unapologetically express themselves. My name is Ryan, and I'm a rising junior studying marketing with a minor in African-American studies, and this year, I'm serving as the president for the Blacksa. I'm joined today by eight NCAA student-athletes from Georgetown University gathered at the table to discuss combating racial injustices in collegiate athletics. There's a lot on today's menu, so let's go around and have everyone introduce themselves. Your relationship with the Blacksa, the sports you play, and what you're studying. Hi, my name is Sari Kiriton. I am a senior in the SFS studying international politics and minoring in Spanish. Right now, I'm also serving as the co-director of outreach for the Black Student Athlete Coalition. My name is Chuma Azinge. I'm a sophomore, and I'm majoring in finance and management. I play on the men's basketball team, and I'm currently like uh, I coordinate like communications with the basketball team for BSAC. Hi, uh, my name is Maya Drayton. I'm a sophomore. Um, I'm planning to major in marketing and minor in entrepreneurship. Um, I'm on the women's track and field team, and I'm just a member of BSAC. Hey guys, um, my name's Daniela. Um, I'm a rising sophomore in the college, planning to major in anthropology. Um, my, my role is the diversity, equity, and inclusion um, representative as part of BSAC. Hello, everybody. My name is Rio Hope Gund. Um, I am a senior on the men's soccer team. I'm working on a double major in art history and anthropology right now. Um, and I am on the diversity, equity, and inclusion board as well. What's going on? My name is Joshua Stevens. Um, I'm a junior in the college. Uh, I'm a sociology major and I play football and I am on the board as well with Daniel and Rio for diversity, equity, inclusion. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmad Wilson and I'm a senior in the business school studying finance and OPM with a minor in computer science. I'm also on the football team with Josh and I'm a member of the board. I'm the director of, I'm the director of funding and uh, BSAC's treasurer. Hi everyone, I'm Alexis. I'm a junior in the MSB studying marketing and international business with a minor in journalism. I'm on the women's soccer team and I am co-director of communications. Great, I think that's everybody. So before we get started, I'd just like to take a moment to recognize and acknowledge the current racial reckoning happening in this country due to these state-sponsored killings of Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, George Floyd, and too many others. So for those watching at home, we wanna make it known that Breonna Taylor's murderers are still police officers and have not been arrested or charged. And for more information on how to get involved in the fight toward racial justice, please check the resources in our description. So to begin, I want to know from you guys, what are your thoughts and reactions to the various American sports leagues that have returned and the ways that they've addressed or not addressed racial injustice? I can start. Um, I think the NBA out of all the leagues has done a really amazing job at addressing all these social issues. Um, I mean, you can compare them to the NFL and the MLB, which are kind of, kind of starting to, you know, answer and have players reach out about these issues. But the NBA, I think within the bubble with the social messaging on jerseys and the court has really taken the lead. 
kind of just like the second that I feel like the NBA has done a pretty good job. Um, but there's always more that they can do. You know, I think maybe a couple of days ago, they just took a vote on whether to even continue the season after the recent um, happenings with Jacob Blake and like two teams, Lakers and the Clippers were both for like ending it, you know, in just in support of, of the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And I feel like that would have been a statement. You know, everything else is cute, like putting all the names and stuff on the back of the jerseys. But until until you really make a move, you know, almost like taking money out of the white man's pocket, essentially, like they're not going to feel any different about the whole movement. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with Chuma on that. I feel like um, boycotting the games yesterday sent a big statement, um, but I, I do kind of wish they would have continued that momentum going forward. Um, one thing I do also recognize is that like women's sports, like WNBA also boycotted their games. Um, and just for like, for women, like they already get less viewership and they get less money. So the fact that they're willing to risk the money, that, the minimal money that they're making and the risk that they put themselves in by putting themselves in their own bubble, I think is a big statement just as black women um, and the way we stand up for our community as well. I think I can speak for the soccer world, at least in the United States. Um, the soccer world is very, um, white dominated, I would say, um, white and Latino, I guess, um, but mostly white. And I think um, this year there was the creation of the black players in the MLS group. Um, and so I think for the soccer world, at least, and hopefully other sports that don't have as many black athletes, we're seeing um, more, more and more people kind of start to speak out about um, racial injustice um, within those sports and within the country as well. For sure. So can I ask you guys, it seems like you mentioned the NBA, the WNBA as um, leagues, at least, that are doing really well. I'm curious, they're getting it right. I'm curious to know from you guys who you think is getting it wrong. For me, I would say what I've noticed uh, with, with, you know, basketball and the NBA for the whole bubble, you know, everyone took a knee before the, before the game, for the, or for the anthem, you know, basketball, women's, they're wearing shirts, they're, you know, really showing solidarity. Um, I think with baseball, I've, I've, I'm getting mixed emotions because you'll see two people kneeling before or for the flag, but then the rest of, you know, the rest of the teams, the rest of the players are, are all standing or they'll kneel before the flag, before, before the anthem. And I, and I understand that uh, people consider baseball to be America's game, America's sport, uh, mostly white viewership. Uh, so I can understand them not wanting to lose that but also that what what message does that send um yeah to the you know to the fellow to the fellow black players i want to mention um uh hockey uh for one because i saw this one one of the few black players who are in the nhl uh spoke up about how he didn't really feel support among his teammates among the league and whatnot because you know like all these other teams have been canceling their games and you know just stopping play you know for a little bit at least uh, the majority of the, the, the NHL hasn't really said much or hasn't really reached out to, you know, the, their few black players or showed support for their black players. So I feel like the NHL is like one of the teams that really isn't, you know, on board as much as these other teams. That player that you're talking about, Evander Kane, um, he definitely has been in a compromising position for a very long time. And I, I noticed that as well. So I want to know from y'all, we know that we now know um, in August that the coronavirus disproportionately affects the black community with reports from McKinsey, for example, showing that black Americans are almost twice as likely 
to live in the counties at highest risk of both health and economic disruption. But we also know that according, according to the NCAA's demographic database, over 50% of D1 basketball players are black and the number is pretty much approximately close to 50% for football athletes. So given these two realities, I'm wondering, how does this conversation around the need for student athletes to return to campus differ from the conversation about regular students returning to, to, to campus? And how does it affect or shape the perception of student athletes, do you guys think? I think it's definitely a big issue. Uh, I think COVID has exposed, especially the Power Five conferences, just how uh, important these players are monetarily and economically to these universities um, and the exploitation of that. And I, don't, I think that if universities aren't taking the right steps to protect um, health and safety of these players, then it just shows you know, how black athletes are regarded um, at the university level. Yeah, I, I'd like to second that. I think it's pretty deeply rooted in, in exploitation. And we've seen um, for a long time, as far as student athletes go, just like in the college scene, like whether that means representation in, in the classroom as opposed to what they're doing for the, the sports program or just like, I don't know, just safety. Like, and in terms of COVID, like I feel like if you can't bring back students safely, how, how can you bring back your athletes safely? It's almost like they don't care, especially with the number of schools that we've seen already have breakouts um, with so few people on campus. Like, I don't know, it, it's just, you can tell where they're, they're placing their importance. I think it has a lot to do with, um, I guess, kind of like the entertainment factor that student athletes bring to schools. They kind of think of us more as not students, but rather than like entertainment, money for the school and different things like that. Um, so I think they're um, obviously putting that at a higher pedestal than the safety of the students. To echo what those three said, um, I think it kind of echoes what's happening with like the country as a whole. Um, we've seen like Betsy DeVos talk about how she wants students back and she said, you know, only a small amount of students will get COVID. Um, and I think it's in turn, like Chuma was saying, it's like priorities. It's like you, you can see they're prioritizing economics over um, student life and, and or student athlete life, I guess, and student athlete health. So just in building off what you just said, Rio, we discussed like the professional leagues, what they're doing and somewhat on a, on a league-wide basis what the NCAA is doing, but I wanna get closer to home and talk about the response at home. And so the treatment that you guys receive as athletes, it's safe to say that all black, indigenous, people of color students or people of color who may happen to be Georgetown students or any student at a PWI face discrimination. But I'm wondering, have you guys ever experienced any discrimination or prejudice from your black peers due to your athletic status? So for example, have you ever experienced elitism from your um, classmates or your peers when it regards to, in regards to your athletic fit versus your academic fit for Georgetown? I think um, we've all heard comments along the lines of like, oh my gosh, you go to Georgetown. Oh yeah, I do go to Georgetown. I play, like I run track. Oh, okay. And it's like, they kind of see it as like, oh, you only go there because you're playing a sport and not because of um, my academic. Personally, like, um, one experience I can remember pretty well was, um, like, early on, first semester, my freshman year, I was in a management course, and the teacher told us to pick groups for kind of like a, actually, I was in a management course with you, Ryan, and um, our teacher had 
told us to pick groups essentially for our first project. And I looked to both of my sides, you know, and both the people sitting next to me, white kids, both looked to the opposite side of them, you know, and it was like kind of embarrassing almost because like I was sitting there, I felt like so isolated, but like I completely understood it, you know, like the first thing that comes to your mind as a regular student is like, oh, athlete, like black kid, you probably won't try if, if he's in my group, you know, and it's just like a lot of the microaggressions like that and stuff like that that I've experienced. That reminds me of this one situation that happened my uh, my freshman year. Like it was like after it was like after the football season, and um, I think like grade like grade reports came out or whatever. And I was like I got recognized because I was on the dean's list or something. And I was in the training room, and one of the one of the athletic trainers were like <laughs> was like, "Wow, who knew you were smart?" I'm like, "I'm at I'm at Georgetown University. You know, I'm not you know just a football player." And, you know, I, I kind of, like, put that in the back of my mind, but, like, <laughs> that, that just, I just realized, like, how, like, terrible, like, that is to say to, you know, a student athlete. And I feel like, a lot, like, that's just something that, you know, I feel like everybody, every one of us has gone through in some shape, some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, um, on our team, we had a coach tell us uh, one day, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but the thing that stuck out for me was he said, you're here on an athletic scholarship, like, not an academic scholarship. Um, so it, like sometimes it's from like your own people. It's not just outside forces. It's not just white classmates. Um, it can be black people in the department or it can be black peers on campus too. I think specific to like the black peers, I think that we can all acknowledge as student athletes already that like as black student athletes that like the struggles aren't the same. Like, you know, we're all black at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're we're just as black as whatever, like the people that don't play sports. But I think that it's almost like we have to prove ourselves twice. You know, like we were on like both sides of the like battlefront or whatever the saying is. I don't even know if that's a saying, but um, I think that already we're here, we're trying to prove, we're, we're trying to like battle like the imposter syndrome. Like we already don't think we belong. At least I felt like that um, at the beginning. And then now you have to, you know, convince your people too that like, you know, you also got here based on your own merit, not just based off of your like athleticism. So, um, you know, like Siri just said, like it really do be your own people too. But like, I think that our black peers can be ignorant to our reality too. And, you know, you, you can't just group us off, like not trying to like separate us, but in a way when they don't understand us, it's like, we're already separating ourselves. So it's like, now we are like, the, the battle is not just us against, you know, the white people of the institution. It's like us against everyone. It's like specifically being a black student athlete. So that's kind of frustrating. And I totally agree with Aniela about that. You know, she talked about just, we have to constantly prove ourselves that, you know, that we belong here. That that's in our question, my freshman, do I belong here? You know, my freshman age, freshman year grades was, you know, they weren't hitting like, like, like a mods probably were, you know. Um, but for me, and I know, I know for me, it's, it's funny because I, I had a meeting with today with, like, with this teacher. We had to have like a 15 minute little interview thing. And I, it was kind of weird, but I was like, okay, I'll do it just, you know, to introduce myself and things like that, learn more about myself. Um, and I was sitting there and I, I talked to, I was talking, whatever, like it was fine, normal business. And I guess she didn't know I was on the football team. And I was, like, and I was like, yeah, you know, on the football team, you know, we have to do this, that, and the third. And she was like, she like did a little, little eye thing. And I said, oh no, I said, I, said, I really just, 
I really tell her I was on the football team. I'm like, oh no, and now she's gonna think differently of me. And and that's like what came to my mind until this. You know, a few hours later, I was thinking about. It. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I really just tell this professor that I'm on the football team? She didn't know. You know, I was before before collapsing. I was chilling. I would, you know, had my little hat on, whatever, and I put the little the Clark Kent glasses on. You know, became smart, Josh, and I had crazy, you know, crazy confidence. You know, and, and, and you know, no one knew, you know, that I was on the football team. Um, and, and now she knows, and, and and to me, that just kind of, um, I don't know, spoke volumes of what what I still feel and how not just me, but other people still feel about um, being a student athlete. That it's a constant, it's a constant battle of proving yourselves. I mean, Ahmad is a 4.0 student, you know, Dean's List PNC student athlete of the year. Like, he's too humble to say that. But if you just looked at him and someone would say, oh, I mean, he's just another athlete. But, you know, the, but it shows that, you know, he's had to, you know, almost prove himself for four years here. Yeah, you know, there's some of us who, you know, and you're a, fr- uh, and you're a sophomore, uh, Maya's a sophomore. Um, and and, and it, they're just still, they're still early in the process. And so it's just this constant, you know, you know, be trying to be approved is, is, you know, it's really, you know, tolling, I want to say mentally tolling, and um, it's hard on us. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes, like, both ways. Like, I think someone mentioned, like, you know, when people are surprised that you are smart, I get, I think it was Ahmad who mentioned that, and it, it's very hard to be like, well, yes, I got into Georgetown on my own merit. Like, for me personally, I wasn't recruited athletically. I walked onto the team, so I kind of had that foundation with not being associated as a student athlete, but, you know, one of the meetings with my coaches before, you know, I joined the team, one of the things he was like, oh, you'll definitely boost our GPA. And like, it's just stuff where he was surprised that that was a factor that I could also bring to the table other than my athletic ability. But it's things like that where just like you question, like, why is this person surprised that as a black woman, I can be smart and stand out in my classes. So it's definitely, you know, something that takes a toll on you. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that y'all have experienced that as far as like your academic and social environments at Georgetown. But I want to lean into your um, athleticism and your athletics. So in 2018, the assistant professor of sports management at UConn, he wrote an op-ed discussing a dangerous stereotype that plagues black athletes. And I'm sure you guys may be familiar with it. But in his op-ed, he writes that this stereotype, which is complex and has many layers, holds that black male athletes have superior athletic abilities that enable them to excel at high levels in sports such as football. And the stereotype also holds that black males have a distinct physicality that allows them to endure extreme amounts of pain. This is the same myth, he writes, that was used to justify the enslavement and mistreatment of black people in America from before the Civil War through today's era of mass incarceration. In fact, he says, a case can be made that there are many parallels between the exploitation of black student athletes today and how black labor was exploited during American slavery. So with all that being said, when it comes to your athletic abilities, do you guys ever feel as though you're held to a different standard or perceive, perceived differently on and off the court from your non-Black teammates? Well, I know um, growing up, I was obviously like raised in a place where um, I was the minority. I was always like the only Black girl on every single team that I was on. And I, when I was younger, people like literally used to tell me that I was only good at stuff because I was Black or like you're fast, like because you're black. And like, I've heard that so many times. And um, it's definitely something, it's hard. But I think when I came to Georgetown, I definitely had more black teammates. 
So I felt more comfortable and I didn't feel in a place where it's like I'm doing well because I am black because um, the people around me that I was mostly around were also black. But that is a thing um, that is real. And um, that's something that's like a normal stereotype to think that black people should be better at sports. Or um, like if a white person is, you know, just as good as somebody, they're like, oh my gosh, like he's white. Or some people only say, oh, he's only good because he's black. That has nothing to do with anything. People don't really see the hard work that goes behind what black people actually do to be good at a sport. I would second what Maya said. I also grew up in a pretty white area. And at times, like during my youth career, I would be pretty frustrated because I felt like coaches didn't put in the same time with me as they did to my white peers just because I was fast. And it was just like, oh, go kick the ball to Alexis. She can run through the defenders and score. Like that was it. And so that really frustrated me. And then getting to college, now I'm the only black person on my team. And it's kind of weird. It's like, I almost kind of ingrained that bad stereotype in my head. Like, oh, I have to be better because I am the only black person. So it's like this weird dichotomy there. Where it's like, I know that's not the truth and you shouldn't view black athletes in that way. But being the only black person, it's like, I have to stand out. I can't let people down because I am the only representation. Well, before we get into um, the demands that BSAC has, I want to talk about uh, discrimination and oppression in collegiate, collegiate athletics on an institutional level. So similar to BSAC, Black athletes across the country are speaking out against the oppressive structures that exist at PWI, such as those in Alabama's gymnastics program that drew national attention recently due to their experiences of overt racism. So given the structure of NCAA sports, do you all feel like attending an HBCU would alleviate feelings of exploitation and discrimination in athletics? Personally, think not. Um, just because I think, I don't know if there's a, what I personally get from it, like the stereotype that um, HB, HBCUs aren't necessarily like as good at, at sports as like PWIs and, and like those powerhouse schools. So I think they're definitely slept on. Um, so I don't know if that would make it like greater, but it would definitely like, I feel like people would end up saying, oh, that school is only good because they have all black people on the team or like, because it is an HBCU. I mean, that's something that could happen, but you know, that's just a possibility. I think we forget about, it's not, I don't think it's even known really that, you know, the, the fact that HBCUs were all powerhouses back in the day, they were, they were just, they were the best of the best. They were playing against Bama. They were playing against Syracuse, you know, in these, you know, basketball, football, you name the sport. Um, and, and people forget that these, these teams were so, were so powerful in turn on the athletic side, you know, academically as well, but on the athletic side. So that, so when I saw the athlete that um, I, I forgot his name, that he was like, a, you know, top five, or he was like a, a five, five uh, star athlete that, that committed to an HBCU. And it was, it was national news because why would he waste his time at an HBCU when he could go to whatever school he wanted to? But what he was saying is that he wanted to change tides with, you know, with HBCUs, bring back that past glory that used to be there. And I, I think a lot of the times institutionally, they, they want to, you know, flash all this money um, in your face, you know, give you all these accolades. You can, you know, you'll get this, you'll get this, that, and the third at this school. But when it comes to, you know, going to an HBCU, it's, thank you, maker, maker. Um, it's, it's tough because when you go to, you know, an HBCU, you're bringing you know this glory and fame to a to a all to a, to a majority black institution, 
And then for some reason, I feel like institutionally, we don't, or they don't want that to happen. Uh, they don't want, you know, these, these schools to, to thrive like they used to. They don't want these great athletes to go to, you know, these, to go to HBCUs. I know a lot of athletes are going, started to go to, instead of going to Duke, they were starting to go to SEC schools. And so that, that they had backlash for that. Like, why would you go to SEC school um, when you have the opportunity to go to these big powerhouses? But if we're able to, you know, change tires and follow, you know, maker makers, you know, um, you know, uh, way and uh, bringing more athletes to HBUs, I think there could be a, a big title title uh, shift. I think that um, I, I have to like agree with Josh on the aspect that they don't want that to happen. Um, and the fact that the pressure is on the athlete to have to make that decision as opposed to the institution receiving the funds necessary to like be able to build up themselves um, is kind of like evidence of that. But I, I think that going to an HBCU, while it might make your individual experience better, I don't think it alleviates the institutional impact that the exploitation has on a black student athlete. Because the reality is you're still like a part of the NCAA and there are still rules and regulations in place that don't necessarily allow you um, the most comfort. I think that's kind of what they talked about a little bit in the article too, the things that you can be exposed to, the risks that you put yourself in like athletically just overworking yourself and, and things like that. So I think an HBCU might alleviate the pressure at like a, a minimal level, but I do think there are larger factors at play, um, especially with what Josh mentioned as well. In my opinion, I think um, it, it could create a tidal wave, like just like Josh was saying, but it's gonna take a lot of time because like essentially right now, um, how, how college sports are kind of structured, I guess, is like you, you want, to put yourself in the position where you can forward yourself as an athlete, right? And, and put yourself in front of all the people that you can get the biggest spotlight so that you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do with the sports. And like at this current moment, like it's tough. Say, say I was a, a five-star prospect, right? Every school in the country wanted me. I could go here. I could go here. I could go here. And with those three schools, like, you know, everybody's going to see me play every night I play. Um, and I know I'm going to have the attention because the scouts are already there. Whereas I could try and make a statement myself and, and go to a school like what Mocker Mocker did. And um, I feel like it's just very, very hard, especially if you're not that, that five-star athlete who already has his own platform to be able to say like, I want to go ahead and do this in the short term, just because you don't, you don't know how exactly that's going to pan out for you. Um, when you have your name made, that's when you have the ability to make a statement like that, but it can just be really tough for athletes in the short term is all I can really say about it. So I feel like we've hit the experiences that you guys and many other Black student athletes um, face at PWIs, for better or for worse. And so I want to get into what y'all are doing to change it and, and push change and demand for a long-lasting systemic change at Georgetown. So before we get into the specific demands that y'all have created, I'm curious to know that when you formed the coalition, what was the response from your teammates and athletic staff, your coaches and trainers? For me personally, coming from like a majority black team, the response was more positive than not. Um, I did feel like my coaching staff were positive, but I have mixed feelings about it because I think while they were exuding positivity about it and being supportive, I think everyone was supportive in words and things like that, but I think it was the actions um, that really kind of speak more. We did have trouble with that, getting um, actions to kind of back those words. And even now, as we still kind of move forward and working on it, that's been the biggest area 
um, where we've struggled. I can speak for, um, I guess, the track team. I think our coaches, personally, they took it very well. They even went, like, um, the extra mile to create, like, um, a group of, like, some of the, like, African-American, like, leaders, like, kind of in our teams. And um, they just asked us basically what we wanted and what we wanted for the team. And they were being very receptive. And we would have uh, Zoom, Zoom meetings and things like that um, just because they wanted to make us feel comfortable as a team. So I think uh, it definitely varied uh, by coach. Um, and there were some coaches who didn't really do anything, but we did get a lot of uh, positive feedback from coaches. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there will be action taking place. Yeah, I definitely think that it helped that we had, um, you know, a meeting with all the coaches and staff within the athletic department. After that, that's when we started to get a lot more responses. But I do think before, in the beginning stages of our group, it was very team by team based. Um, you know, I had to, you know, reach out to my team being the only black person, like no one was really talking about it. So I had to break the ice. Um, whereas, like, um, Sari mentioned in Maya, there's other teams where, you know, when there's more representation, it's taken in a different way. So I definitely think we still have a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, getting coaches to really be accountable for the words that they say, you know, in those vulnerable moments. But I think we've definitely gotten some good momentum so far. Alexis, to build off what you just said, and many, if not all, D1 NCAA schools, everybody knows there exists a hierarchy within athletics. So for example, football may have more financial resources and social clout than other non-revenue generating sports. So when it came to implementing systemic changes um, within Georgetown, Georgetown's athletic department, was it harder to get certain programs involved and were there some teams more accepting of being a part of BSAC than others? I think the obvious problem that arises when you ask that question is like teams with black players, specifically teams with majority black players or equal black players versus teams without or minority black players. Um, and I think, I mean, so far, to be honest, like I've seen some decent responses from some teams with no black players, like the lacrosse teams and the rowing teams or something like that, um, trying to reach out and wanting to, you know, do have conversations with us and do stuff about, um, you know, uh, racial awareness um, within their own teams and everything. Um, but I definitely think there's a, there's a difference um, when it comes to, you know, say one of the lacrosse teams at our school versus the football team um, in terms of kind of like what, how they're going about things, um, the conversations they're having. I think that's hard for everybody, that question really just, how do you reach people who can't necessarily relate? You know, like Rio was saying that, there's no black players on certain teams. How, you know, how do you reach them? How do you push them a little, you know, a little more to get them on the same, you know, on the same way, on the same side as you almost? Um, because I think that's, that's a hard issue. Uh, that's a hard, you know, dichotomy of, of, of relatability between, you know, black athletes and, and majority white sports, at least at Georgetown, that is. To build off that, Josh, I want to know from all of y'all, especially the board members, is there a push to have more athletes from certain sports a part of BSAC? And what does that look like getting, making sure that every single sport is represented within the coalition? I think it's definitely harder, obviously, over Zoom. And, you know, we started everything like when we were all remote and home and everything. So it's harder to get people involved. Um, but I think a good thing for our school, I guess, because you mentioned earlier, like 
a, a lot of revenue generating like sports like basketball football at certain schools like for example ours is kind of like the basketball the men's basketball team that's like revenue generating for us so i think um one of our main things is to try to get men's basketball involved and people within that um sport to be involved just because they have um just a bigger audience and more people would kind of um listen to them and be more receptive to them and would be able to reach more people so i think that was one of the main things that we were kind of focused on chuma for you being on the basketball team one of the biggest if not the biggest team at georgetown what was it like the response on your team when all of this happened for for our team specifically i feel like our makeup is is more so built to be able to respond to this type of thing. Um, and it was pretty easy just like with the majority black coaching staff and pretty much all the players on our team this coming year being black, like just to really feel what's going on to be able to understand like the things that we've been going on through our, or we've been experiencing through our entire lives, you know? And um, as far as like making a difference, our, our team, our coaches essentially like have a big platform already with Patrick Ewing being who he is. Um, and a lot of the times they feel like they should just take things into their own hands as coaches. Um, and I think Coach Ewing actually put out a video uh, pretty pretty similar to the time that BSAC put out their videos. And that got a lot of views. But I think as, as the players, we also have a, a pretty large platform and we haven't been doing a good enough job using that. And I think with BSAC, we can going forward do a lot more i know that our coaches have proposed that we make a, a video kind of um promoting using your ability to vote and and kind of make a a change doing that but i know there's just like a lot more that we could do as a basketball team especially being like you know the biggest platform in georgetown yeah and on the flip side rio i want to know from you so for those sports without majority black players, how can they go about allyship in a way that's more impactful? For example, I know the soccer team is doing a lot right now. What would you say to other teams like lacrosse who are in a similar situation? For the sports without um, majority black players or without that many black players in general, um, I think there's a different kind of starting point. Um, I think the overall goal is the same, um, but I think for um, minority black sports teams at Georgetown at least, um, I, th I would say like the starting point is like the education piece, um, making sure you know your history, your real history, um, making sure you're educating yourself, um, making sure everybody on the team is educating themselves. Um, and that's, that's what we're doing with my team. And um, I hope other, you know, minority black teams are doing something similar. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, I would start there and then you can kind of go from there in terms of um, what the next steps are. Um, but I, I definitely think the education piece um, is is crucial um, for for non or minority black teams um, at Georgetown. For all of you, before we wrap up, I want you to walk me through how you decided on your list of demands. So there's approximately 30 of them, and they span three categories. So tell me, how did you go about prioritizing your concerns while also taking a holistic approach to change the system? And which is the hardest to accomplish? Recruitment sponsorship or integration? I think the list kind of started out with just us talking about how we were feeling after George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's murder and just having conversations about our experience. Um, we have a great advisor, Whitney Maddox, who really was helpful with that. And just kind of, as an outsider looking in, I think she helped us really see 
the parts that were missing from our experience. Like a lot of the stuff that we had normalized, like things that we talked about earlier, just like microaggressions and like the story that Ahmad mentioned about how he didn't even think about what that trainer said to him. Like when we share that kind of stuff with her, she was like taken aback. And I think that's when we were like, oh, like, okay, like this kind of sucks. Like we kind of knew it, but I don't think we were as conscious of it. Like we were more focused on like our day-to-day -day activities. So from there, I think it just came from addressing our needs, like Alexis and Rio who come from uh, teams where, you know, where Alexis is the only one in Rio is like one of four. And then saying, okay, so recruitment's a problem. From the mental health aspect, like we had other athletes come forward and be like, I didn't feel comfortable going to see Dr. Forrest because she's a white woman. I don't think she can address my problems. And then we saw that was an issue. So it was kind of just step by step. And then as after like, we kind of got them organized, that's when it really became like prioritization and like seeing what we could add it. And, you know, we had a lot of help in separating out the categories. So I'm specifically curious about the increasing black student athlete representation in all sports. So why does this matter to you guys in the grand scheme of things? And it's particularly notable that it's the first recruitment as a category is the first demand. So was that intentional? What do you guys think about recruitment in regards to integration? Um, and that's for anyone to take really. I think uh, recruitment is really crucial. I mean, if you look at the competition for a lot of our sports, a lot of the other schools that we try to athletically compete against do a much better job at recruiting these athletes. And you can see like, it's, it's a simple concept. Diversity, you know, helps your performance in whatever way you look at it. And so, and I definitely think that's gonna be the hardest category to hit because you can't necessarily you know, implement quotas or stuff like that. So it really has to be an intentional, you know, idea and of coaches to really go out there and find that talent because, you know, for my team, when we, the teams we lost to, like, frankly, were more diverse than we are and had, you know, different elements to bring to the table. Um, and I think it's just simple to see, you know, that by expanding your horizons in that area, you can really not only help your team, but, you know, be to the level of the competition that you want to be nationally. I think in terms of reaching um, specific goals or demands, rather, um, I think the hardest, like you just pointed out, Lex and Ryan, I think the hardest is definitely going to be um, not only recruitment, but also the hiring of more Black staff, because that was another um, big one on our list. Um, and I think, you know, I think for me, at least, that's, that's one of the biggest, um, those two um, because when you have more people who look like you within a community, you feel safer and you feel more comfortable and you feel more respected and more seen and more heard. And I think, um, I don't know, I think in terms of community, I say that community, um, it starts like everything starts within the community. Like if you have, if you have a, a position, a role within a community, then you can kind of do whatever you're going to do from there. And I think um, we definitely need more black student athletes and we definitely need more black staff um, that, you know, um, we're talking about like psychology or, or not psychology. Um, you know, we're talking about Dr. Force um, and, and, but she's white, you know, so, so maybe a black psychi a psychiatrist, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, black psychiatrist, um, you know, where black student athletes can go and tell, you know, talk to them about problems they're having that they can maybe relate to a little more. Um, and that kind of thing. So I definitely think those are some of the bigger goals, some of the more long-term ones, but definitely ones we're keying in on, focusing on, um, and looking forward to reaching. Before we wrap up, I want to know from every single one of you, all eight of you, 
How do you hope that this list will contribute to lasting racial change for Black student athletes? And also by extension, the, the general, the larger Black student body. Well, for me, the biggest thing that I saw in this and that I see in this hopefully coming in the, in the future, near future, long-term future um, for certain things, you know, to really bridge gaps between, you know, communities. Uh, it's enough to say, you know, that, that just, it could be just be between football and, and lacrosse, bridging that community, football and basketball, bridging that community. That could be between black student athletes and like you said, the, you know, the, the, the general black student body, the student body, but it doesn't have to be just at Georgetown. This could be uh, expanded towards, you know, towards Howard towards, you know, the Northeast community, Anacostia community, the, you know, GWAU community. It doesn't just have to be between us as right here, right now. This is where it's, this is maybe where it's starting, but it doesn't have to end here. That, that it's, we're able to, you know, bridge gaps um, between different communities uh, and be more as a whole rather than just different universities and colleges in DC, but, you know, to come together as a whole somehow. Yeah, personally, I, I agree with Josh a lot. Um, long term, I, I don't even think there should be a need for a, you know, Black Student Athlete Coalition. I think that that the, the more effort we put in now, the closer we get to just being united, like, all together. And that's what I want to see long term. I definitely agree with the whole community aspect of it. Um, I think it's not just about, you know, like, the list of demands. I think that's just what kind of brought us together. Um, and it's just a form of allowing people to see that they have resources. They're not alone, you know, like um, Lexi being the only black one on the soccer team. Like it's not, she has other student athletes that she can go to and talk to and things like that. You know, it's not just within her team. Like we're all kind of together. Yeah, going off what Maya said, like my hope is that there aren't any other black student athletes that come and feel isolated. Um, and even if they are one on their team that they have a community that they can fall back on. Um, and I just think, and also, you know, going back to what Josh said, you know, moving Georgetown away from just being that white school on the hill, expanding into the DC community, because this was the chocolate city at one point. So just integrating um, into there more would be great for me. One of the main reasons why, you know, we made this group, why we had this list of demands was because we felt like, you know, some administration, some coaches, um, where there's like not that large majority of black representation on respective teams, they didn't really know how to react and help their student athletes feel more comfortable, you know, at Georgetown, at this PWI, when, you know, there's all this um, unrest with um, the murders of, you know, black people every other week. And I just felt like this is a, this like in the future, there'll be a point where there'll be enough, like there'll be enough representation, there'll be enough community to where all these people feel comfortable, all these black people feel, you know, safe, feel at home at this PWI. So that's just how I thought about that. Yeah, I'm just going to echo what everybody's kind of said before. I think at this moment and for the next couple of years, at least my hopes for BSAC are just to create a community for black student athletes at Georgetown incoming um, and current. I think, you know, we're still at a school where it's 7% black kids. Um, we're, you know, the athletics department's even worse. There's something like 150 of us out of 700. Um, so I think, you know, a, spa a safe space where, like I said before, you feel seen, you feel heard, your, your experiences are validated, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think 
at least for now and for the next couple of years, um, when we're working on kind of recruiting more black student athletes and staff, I think that's really important. I'm about to be really redundant, but I really just do want to echo everything everyone's saying. Um, I have to like, I don't really consider myself as like an activist or whatever the title is nowadays. And I feel like the only thing that like changed um, between before and now is that like, you know, like people are listening. Rio had kept mentioning this in all of our meetings. Like, like it's not because Black Lives Matter all of a sudden, you know, like people are starting to post, but I think it's like where we're all forced to listen. Like people, the like world is literally forced to pay attention. You can't ignore it. Like it's in your face. You can't go anywhere like it is it is right here so i think that we have one chance of getting it like i think this is probably the best chance that we have at getting it right so um yeah people are listening and i'm just i'm really like hopeful that we can take advantage of this situation and even though like it feels like the world is in fucking shambles part of my like language but like i think that there's a reality in which you can also take that such a tragedy and all these things that are happening um, and turn it into something good. And I think that's what we're doing. So I'm excited. Yeah, I also feel like this whole experience is about empowerment too. I think in sports, there's a really strict hierarchy and oftentimes you don't feel comfortable advocating for yourself. And in that way, I think sports can be like a microcosm for like black people's situation in society in general. Like a lot of times it can be hard to feel like you can advocate for yourself because you feel like you have to give a little here to get a little there. Um, and that means compromising yourself sometimes, especially when you're in white spaces. So I think for us, like we want to empower ourselves but more importantly, we want to empower like the next group of freshmen that come in. So like Chuma said, like there doesn't need to be like a BSAC, they can just have their own place and they can feel comfortable in that. Um, and they can challenge the systems that are in front of them um, and know that they have a community uh, at their back. So yeah, I think that's what I want from it. And I think that's what we all want from it. Well, thank y'all so much. The work y'all are doing is powerful. It's important. It's impactful. It's needed. Um, and I appreciate you guys so much. For more information on the Blacksa, visit theblacksa.com and follow us on Instagram at theblacksa.gu. Thank you all for watching and be sure to let us know your thoughts on this topic in the comments. Also, feel free to suggest what other conversations you'd like for us to tackle at the table in the future. To check out more about the Black Student Athlete Coalition at Georgetown, go on Instagram and follow at G-U-B-S-A-C. Thank you all for tuning in and see you next time.